Around the NFL Podcast. Just keeps on honking. That's true. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Dan Hansis. Comes to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. This is the big Super Wild Card Weekend preview show, and we're going to get to all the games. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great weekend of football coming up. Saturday, Sunday, and a Monday night game for the first time ever. But before we do that, boys, let's hit a little breaking news. All right, the Houston Texans, this just went down just as we were getting going today, have fired David Culley. They waited four days uh, after the season ended to decide to cut ties with the 66-year-old who went one and done uh, with uh, Houston. And uh, Greg, Cully, as we talked about ad nauseum, both before the season started and then in the, uh, our most recent show and even Sunday, that it, it felt like he was being set up to take the fall and handle a very rough season in the organization's history. And that seems exactly how it played out. Cully did a very good job with a team with almost zero talent uh, comparative to other teams in the league. And yet he gets booted anyway. The Texans are looking for a total uh, refresh, and Cully got caught up in that wash. Yeah, I mean, dysfunctional teams do do dysfunctional things. I I can't believe it because Adam Schefter reported that Cully was only guaranteed two years on his five-year contract. So all these tweets are coming out. You know, we do this thing. You know, he gets fired and everyone is kind of disgusted because the Texans knew what they were doing. They knew where they were hiring a guy to fire him probably in one year. Like, they knew that. But I was like, well, you know, he's, he gets the five-year guaranteed money and all that. I mean, um, that it's kind of gross behavior, but there's that. But no, they actually knew when they signed him and they basically let him know when they signed him, we're probably going to fire you after one year. And it's like, what are we doing here? Because this is a team that espouses these values of brotherhood, often Christianity, like other things when they're they're talking about what uh, it, the teamwork and organization means. And this is how they like go about things. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the next time we... We taped that it's widely reported Flores is the next coach. It just feels like people that know things are saying that that is going to happen. Right. Like you you don't go through all this unless you've got a target and a target that you believe you can acquire as the next head coach. Because I find it um, with eight vacancies now, a pretty tough job to sell on its face value based on the wackiness of the organization, um, the, the way it operates, the way they've operated over the last year plus the Deshaun Watson situation, the roster in general, and what they just did to the last head coach. I don't think that David Culley took the job thinking, I'm a fall guy, I'll be out of here in a year, look at me. I mean, everything about him and who he was sort of said that he thought that he could weather the storm. I mean, otherwise, it's a strange move by David Culley. I just think the Texans are a bizarre organization that comes out of this with Jared Mayo, Flores, or Josh McDaniels, and good luck to them. It's It's... All about leverage and whatever the business is, but usually you don't really drop the hammer when you can, unless you're an organization that doesn't care about what optics mean. Because when you when you give him two years guaranteed, you give a 66 year old NFL lifer say, "Hey, we'll give you a chance to run this team," 
but we're not going to treat you like every other head coach who gets a job where you have that financial security built into your contract. We're just going to give you half of that. And we know you're going to take it anyway, because this is probably your only chance to be a head coach. All of that feels very icky to me. And I just hate the way the whole process run out. And that's what we were talking about on Tuesday. Like if the Texans fired Cully one and done, but he got four years of guaranteed money like a lot of other guys do or whatever the amount is, then it's like, okay, still don't love it. Still seems a little bit tacky, uh, a little shysty, but you know what? He's getting paid. You don't even do that. You don't take care of the guy that way either. So it's gross. And it was advertised as a five-year contract too, like when they announced the deal. So it's, so I just it's, don't know like if – and again, these there's a finite amount of these jobs, these big chairs, uh, as the coaching carousel spins here. Uh, but at the same time, like, what is it about the Texans job that is compelling to you? If you're Brian Flores, remember, these guys that get fired, you usually get two chances at this. So you get fired once. OK, if you have a good reputation and have some success, you'll get a second job. But if you fail in that second job, you're you're a coordinator for life, most likely. So if I'm taking my second job and this is my last chance probably at this level to be a head coach, do I want to go to Houston with all that dysfunction no. and all the weirdness in the organization? No. No, but I don't think you wanted to go a year ago either. And David Culley accepted it, which tells me someone somewhere will say yes to the job. Right, but I, it, I bet it's it sounds like, well, who knows if the if the reporters who are texting each other right now and, you know, adding little like I'd, I'd be shot, you know little notes on Twitter without reporting it too hard. Sure. Think, sure. Think it's Flores who worked closely with Nick Casario. And uh, if it was Flores, just to get uh, a little ahead of, of ourselves, you do wonder about Deshaun Watson's future, whether there would be any scenario where he would end up staying with a coach. He reportedly wanted to play for in Miami. And that Flores report. Did he want to play? Did he want to play according in Miami to our, or play for Brian Flores? Flores was the lore. It was according not to Chris our Greer reporters, or yeah. Stephen Ross or anything. I wonder and what they, the connection is there between those two guys. Who knows? Just a guy who likes the cut of his jib and I plus Miami. Who knows? I mean, I, that's, that, what I mean. I that's getting ahead of ourselves. He was pretty adamant about um, his issues with ownership. But you, you mentioned leverage. Uh, someone that does not have any leverage right now is Deshaun Watson. And it, yeah, whoever's walking in there. It's a mess, and so maybe it's someone that has a personal relationship with Casario and then can look past that. All right. So, yes, as the coaching carousel spins, we will track what happens next with the Houston Texans. Very strange job to take because, obviously, unless Deshaun Watson admires Brian Flores so much from a distance (laughs) that he wants to now stay in Houston after basically begging off the team before his Well, he also uh, might be suspended for – all of next season right, or half that's of still next all season yet to play he, out that, right? that never even he might be right. in jail i mean that those things are all these still things p- are in pending. play <laughs> and it's a, a a dearth of talent on the roster they do now finally in the post uh in in the post bill o'brien era have draft picks again so you could start building up a roster but we'll see what happens they don't really have any roster. players though they have davis mills i was trying to think of like what young players they got this year or that they like that are there's not many on this roster that that, that they like. Brandon Davis Cooks is going to get one. traded again by the way. He'll get traded. <laughs> Brandon for Cooks. The, He's oh, got a couple man. twos. Team MVP. Um, all right, here we go. Let's uh now move What is that? 8? Is that 8 guys now? 8 got got. That is that's the high end. And listen, you know what happened back in 96 on my state mandated math test. But I know that 8 of 32 4 25%. 25% of the league mm. got canned. That's the 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 turnover at that position 
is outrageous. I'm well, not the, buying the, this the, narrative the, that you uh, struggle at math. That was that was well yeah, done. Yeah, that was right pretty. That was pretty good. I mean, you know uh, what I struggle with more? It's like once we got into here's a quotient uh, x times y. <laughs> you know, there's right. a z involved. It's like, can we calm down? Because guess what? And I, I'm not breaking news here. You get out into the real world, all that. I don't know if it really is something that helped anybody that was good at it. I'm with you. I don't want to get bogged we were, down here. We were but. sold a bill of goods. I mean, there. I think it helps some people, but yeah, it's a pretty small subsection of people using that. Like it helped math. like, but there are many, I mean, there are many engineers and, and certainly people in math fields and programming, all this, you know, stuff like that. But right. It's like pretty the small, professor pretty uh, from Goodwill Hunting, like that was huge for him. <laughs> Uh, I think by 10th grade, you knew that you were not the target audience. <laughs> it's a fair point. Math, you know? it's, it's a fair point. Um, all right. And I pulled the right way. One of those college. jobs might be filled, by the way, already. Maybe Basaccia is, is the guy in the future. It doesn't change that eight coaches got fired, but we might not have a hiring in Las Vegas. All yeah. right. We'll see what happens. Good call. Good call. All right. Let's get into it. Super wild card weekend is upon us. And since you mentioned Rich Basaccia, let's start with the early game. West of us with a twist. Now, people, some people want to know, like, what? Or maybe just to be re-familiarized with it. West of us, what got West so excited about it? It wasn't necessarily just the Bengals going down. It was more that it was something he could depend on. Like, it would show up. It would be his hometown team. They would always be – he would know what, what was coming. So as I remember it, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, Wes would build that Saturday morning around, you know, some Bloody Marys, get you know, get up nice and early, nice, good mood, because you got to kind of enjoy football in a way that's a little bit different when you were certain of the outcome. Well, and we don't tape on Saturdays, so that was always nice. It's like kind of a rare spot where we're watching a big-time game, but you so don't have – So several Bloody Marys. Right, any writing necessarily. Maybe early days we had some writing, but usually you had that day off. Yeah, you could watch it. It does seem a little diabolical in hindsight because he was you know, rooting against the Bengals very clearly. He wanted them to lose. He never bought in in any way of like half halfway to enjoying the Andy Dalton Bengals uh, experience. And he was always right. They did always lose. The, the Bengals-Steelers game will be the one I think we remember the best. But, but losing to TJ Yates uh, was also... Pretty pretty low moment there for the Bengals. I think it backed up the dense uh, and meticulous folder that he had created to watch them go down in flames over and over. But there was absolutely a Wes angled sort of party vibe to some of those as well, because I remember him sending out, you know, he, he actually went out and w- watched one of the West visits at a very swanky um, <laughs> place that served expensive drinks, I do recall, and he was just enjoying himself. He also got tagged one time having to work during what was not West of us because it was the late night game against the Steelers that turned into total chaos. And he wrote an incredible write-up from that game. Hmm. You know, that was the one year where they had a chance and then Dalton got injured. So they didn't even have their starter in the game. If I'm, if I recall correctly that season, that was their big Dalton's big year in Cincinnati. So they were snake bit and let's, Let's face it. That should have won big... that game, though. They should have won that game well, with AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron. They, blew it. they blew it fifteen times over. They were so the, la- the last nothing. big Cincinnati season was that Dalton twenty fifteen year, I believe it was. He gets hurt at the end of the year. The previous big season for Cincinnati was, of course, the uh, two thousand 
five, I believe, playoff game where Carson Palmer blew out his knee early in that game where they were heavy favorites. So there's some, you know, if you want to get into like scary juju involved with this game here, here are the Bengals again on the rise, viewed as the favorite against a Raiders team that had to win out in close fashion for a month just to get to this spot. Will something bad happen to the Cincinnati Bengals in this game? You hope not. You hope not. You hope there's no there's no type of curse around this franchise and Joe Burrow hits the ground running. I'm curious, Mark, what you think. One thing, because I think I said Tuesday, and I'll, I'll repeat this here, that I think this is a game. I think that the Raiders are going to come into this game loose, and I just wonder if a two-week layoff for Joe Burrow and the offense, essentially, will be seen early on in this game because that team was as hot as any team's been all year in week 16 and 17. Will we get that? Will they pick up right where they left off on Saturday? I'm curious. Are these Bengals the ones that I trumpeted prematurely that went up and down after that, including that Raiders game, which was not uh, the score. I don't think is totally indicative of what happened in that game. It was, I think, 16 to 13 late, late in the fourth. The Bengals capped a touchdown drive and then got a Derek Carr fumble that set up a, a short a, a short following touchdown drive. But the Bengals had 129 net passing yards in that game. Joe Burrow was sacked three times. And I realize now, look, it, they look, they look saucy and unbeatable. But I do think that the one way in for the Raiders in this is if someone like Max Crosby pulls a TJ Watt-type performance, and I mean, he's been doing that all year, against the Bengals line that is better than we thought, but not perfect, and causes mistakes for Joe Burrow. Flip side... I look at, in that game also, not a single Bengals receiver had more than 50 yards. So, you know, the Raiders statistically have done a good job against wide receivers all year in spots. And so I wonder if it's a good matchup for the Raiders, who also just seems sort of spiritually feisty right now. But from a flip side, if you get the Bengals that we saw over the last 14 days, they look fairly unbeatable if you get, if you get that peaked version of Cincinnati. Wait, did you just go double flip side? I Double think you did a flip side, side and then, then it went back to right the back. other You're, flip side. It takes you back. It's, it's a 360. I should have it's only like gone we're back, one. We're back to the Sessler uh, take that this was a fiery Bengals team. I, at least I am. I, when it was going to be Patriots-Bengals, I would have convinced myself that this team, this Bengals team, did have the feeling after that Chiefs win of, like, we just we just won our playoff game on some level. Like, it was the biggest win in Cincinnati in a decade, at, you know, at least. And... And I would have convinced myself, but now that it's a, I don't want that result. I'm, I'm not going to get too worried, and I'm going to switch to something else, which is that the Raiders just played 93 defensive snaps Sunday night. I don't think that's incidental. That is an incredible amount of. Max Crosby had 82. I'm not saying he's going that they're not going to be fired up for this game, but it's a short week. That is an advantage, I think, for Cincinnati. I do worry about the pass protection. It yes, the offensive line was better. It wasn't that 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 much better. He, they led the league in sacks allowed. I think that's one reason why they didn't even consider playing Burrow uh, in Week 18. And this is a really good pass rush with Crosby and Ngakwe. I think they'll miss file on, but that that's key for me. And I think that's why. Zach Taylor maybe was conservative in that first game. I, I just hope he's not now. I think he's found religion since that game. The, the two games before they, they rested everyone was their pass-heaviest games of the entire season. They finally kind of let Joe Burrow cook. That's where the mismatches are uh, on the outside, whether it's Trufant or Faison. One of those guys is going to be on the outside on the other side of Casey Hayward, who's, who's been really good this year. And one of those guys is going to be matching up with T. Higgins or Jamar Chase, and that's a mismatch. you got mismatches, hopefully, for the Bengals all over the field on Sunday. Saturday. And 
you know, I think you guys have both hit on it. That and Ricky hit it. We're gonna bring these up occasionally throughout the show. Ooh, pressure point. That's a pressure point <laughs> of this game. It's the Raiders' uh, pass rush um, that led the NFL, according to Next Gen Stats, with 33.6 QB pressure rate, despite blitzing uh, at the lowest level of any team in the league. So they can get to the quarterback, wow. generate pressure without blitzing. And the Joe Burrow's lit up teams um, when he's under pressure. But a lot of that, I would imagine came from teams that were blitzing, leaving matchups downfield. The Raiders, they don't have to do that, the Raiders, because they can just generate a pass run up front. And if you watch that game against the Chargers, uh, it was you know a testament to Justin Herbert and the line hanging in there. But every snap, they were caving in that line. And, and I just think that is how the Raiders are going to win this game, if they could change things up front, I you picking the Raiders? I, I'm I'm not picking the Raiders. I I thought about it. I'm not picking them, but I think this is you going take them to, to be cover the six points or whatever. It they is. cover that six. spread. I think I think it, they're going to put the uh, a heavy scale. You know what? Screw it. I will pick the Raiders. How about that? Why not? You got to pick. This is if there's any year that there's going to be one of those playoffs where things just don't go chalk and things get weird. I feel like 2021 has that in them. So I think this is a field goal game. And if we get to the point where it's a field goal, field goal game, anybody could win. And the Two Raiders, good kickers. Got, Raiders got a hell of a kicker. I like the rookie McPherson in Cincinnati also, but Carlson is absolute nails. Let's say 26, mm, 23 Raiders. <laughs> what do you guys got? Rude. I have the Bengals 27 to 20. I think a factor in this game, it's going to be like 20 degrees with lows even lower than that. And, I, you know, it's Las Vegas. It's Derek Carr. He's not been great in cold weather. I think it's not going to maybe be the shootout that some think. But um, I, have the, I have the Bengals. In fact, I'm considering hmm. locking them up. But I need, to, I need to think a little more deeply about that. All right. You only got about an hour. But that, the okay. clock During is running. The show. I uh, had the same score on my game picks, by the way. The exact same score. Uh, 27-20. Carr has not played his best football the last month. It's been really strange. I, I've been banging the drum all season how I think he's been underrated. I had him you know, around 6th or 7th in the QB index for a lot of the year. I mean, I don't even think there's a question. I think Sunday night was one of his worst games. Had an unbelievable third and eight throw to go win the game, and that can't be forgotten. But it was one of his worst games of the year. Before that, he had a three-straight game streak where he had at least two turnovers and a you know, couple interceptions, fumbles, like I think seven or eight turnovers the last four games. Hasn't been as accurate. Darren Waller, they need to, to get going. But that is a big difference to me is that Burrow's coming in playing his absolute best. And Carr could turn it around, but I think he's taken on a little bit of water late in the season. His offensive line uh, isn't very good either and don't necessarily you know trust them to protect him. He kind of killed them, Carr, uh, in that Sunday night game. He missed so many throws, including game-ending throws, Zay Jones, Darren Waller. And Waller, I think, wasn't quite himself, obviously, in his first game back, but I think it helped to have him back on the field. So maybe you get a better version of Waller. I could definitely see him making an impact in this game. Uh, Josh Jacobs, who had a huge game, 132 yards. He uh, has been limited in practice with the ribs, but I don't know if that's more just maintenance after a long week, obviously after a big Sunday night game with all those snaps. So, uh, yeah, it's it comes because this could also go the other way where it's Cincinnati comes out on fire. It's 14 nothing in a blink and the game's 38 10. I think that's in play also. 
keep an eye on the first quarter because if it starts out mm. in a certain way, I think that's when Cincinnati gets into trouble, similar to what happened to Indianapolis. Um, all right, before we move on to the next game, we're going to take a break. But before we do that, the Wesslings are back. Apparently, Ooh. they have not uh, boycotted the picks um, competition. So let's check in. <laughs> hey, around the NFL. This is Tim again. I wanted to take the Patriots over the Bills, but it is West of this. And as much as Chris loved West of this, I think he would have known it would have come to an end this week. I'm taking the Bengals over the Raiders, and this is the reason why. Chris always compared Burrow to Montana. And I'm going to take it a step further. A friend of mine compared Chase to Randy Moss. I'm taking it even further and suggesting that it could be the next Montana Rice <laughs> duo. And I'm going to lock it up. <laughs> yeah, Tim. Nice. Timmy Wessling in a big spot. And he didn't even say we're going to lock it up. He said, I'm going to lock it up. Once they are united, uh, what are they, what is it? The whole, the saying divided, united we stand, divided we fall. That's the saying. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing united about the Wesleyans. No, they're divided. We'll finish in the middle of the pack. That's where they are. <laughs> they're, All right. They're ahead of me. They're well ahead of me. So good job. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, take a break. All right. Welcome back. Before we get to the second Saturday game, you mentioned uh, the ATN standings. All right, Mark, you picked up a game on Sunday night. Woo! What was going on in that garage? One can only imagine. But you pull it out in overtime. So we enter the playoffs. I'm 13 and 5. Mark's 11 and 7, two out. The listeners on the subreddit are 10 and 8. So are the Wesling brothers. Greg, 7 and 10. And Ricky, I, listen, I don't know what to say, Ricky. 8 and, eight and 10. I, I don't have one last game, right? So that would. All right. Well, we'll give it to you. 8 and 10. Doesn't right. Matter. I got the Saints last week. I'm saying I wouldn't have one less game than everyone else. I got the Saints last Ricky, week. Ricky, um, tough sitch here uh, over on Lock It Up uh, at ATN Lockups on Twitter. You've been removed from the standings entirely. You can't mm. be stunned by that development, though. No, not at all. Yeah. I got what I deserve, Greg. We need we need you back this week, though. <laughs> we need you back on the Bills. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, that's where I'm going, so. All right, let's. Ooh. We'll get to that right now. The New England Patriots, the sixth seed in the AFC, travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills in Orchard Park. Weather is a thing. Weather is a thing. In fact, is it a pressure point? Yeah, why not? It's a pressure point. Pressure point. <laughs> because it is supposed to be cold as a mother up in western western New York. And there are, of course, as you would imagine, a lot of stats flying around about how the Bills offense is going to perform in cold weather. And that led to Bart Scott over on ESPN on their morning show <laughs> sharing an interesting take. Ricky, play that back. The guy hates the cold. He doesn't play well. And he says the reason is because he's got bad circulation. So his toes get cold. And as you know, with your can feet. I, can I get you a suggestion for him? You want Josh to- Allen listening. Can people get this message to him? Viagra. Take some Viagra for the game, baby. Got to fit that circulation going right. So, I, I don't so, know how to move uh, off of that. St- yeah, stop there a second. You know what I love? First of all, Bart Scott played in the league for over a decade. 
he's not making this up. Like he's not working blue here. He's sharing something crazy, but I love uptight people on TV. It's like, oh God, Bart. And then, and then, uh, what's his name from Monday Night Football is like, I don't know how to move off of this. It's like, He's sharing something from inside the game that it's about getting circulation in the body. I don't know how it works in the zone. Mark, in the old, you could tell me, the old erogenous zone? I, but, do, not, I do not take that particular uh, substance, so I cannot tell you how that works. But So I don't know if that's an issue for the guys playing once they pop it, or if it has to be, you know. That so- particular one, Mark? Are you more like a Cialis guy? Or I do not, I do not partake in any of that stuff, but I think gotcha. in general gotcha. you're talking partake. about body warmth. Anyway, I just I liked I liked how everybody's clutching their pearls. Play the rest of it, Ricky. I don't have any medical background, so I can't. I don't really have a, a response to that. But you you played, so well, you must know of, something. A lot of us take Viagra, right? Because Viagra opens up the blood right. vessels. Sir, a lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean? A, a, lot, of, a lot of NFL <laughs> players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes because Viagra was first uh, a heart medicine. <laughs> There's no lies. Makes sense. I mean, I also don't know. For all I know, it's just like one of those things that got passed around among players uh, and has no benefit whatsoever. But I love this world. I love that Dawson Knox, like the Bills tight end, was brought it up or was asked about it and was like, kind of like Mark just now, like immediately was like, I, I didn't, I've never taken it though. I never would take it. Uh, I never would take it. And I, and, and I would have to get a prescription and I don't have a prescription, so I'm not going to take it. That was, that was Dawson Knox's stance. Uh, 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 I don't know how to move off this. Lewis Reddick having a meltdown. Oh my God. He mentioned the boner pill. Which I mean, by the way, the, the ads are nonstop during football games for that product. So, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody just relax. Everybody's so uptight. He's sharing a really interesting nugget there. No, it's Ricky, definitely a Ricky, good one. Ricky, play the first part again. I just want to get Riddick's response again. That's what drives me crazy. Is that so who it was? I don't have any medical I think background. It was. So I, can't, I don't really have a, a response to that, but you, you played. So well, you must of, know I, something. I, a lot of us take Viagra, right? Because Viagra opens up the blood vessels. Right. A lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean a, a lot, lot of, of A lot of NFL <laughs> players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes because Viagra was first uh, a heart medicine. I don't know how to move off of that. Relax. That's good insight. Isn't it crazy that what, what these players do to try to get the best out of their I, bodies? I think it's it's the it's probably the only thing you'll learn from watching half of these shows. Right, it's like definitely that. the first time Get Up has been clipped off on this show. So it's been great for promotion. <laughs> it's Bart Scott's biggest moment since uh, January of 2012. Can't wait. An all, yeah. an all new meaning of get up. Yeah, well, that nailed it, Ricky. Yeah. Ricky's locked in right now. All right, anyway. So <laughs> it's going to be cold as hell. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. Now, these two teams, obviously, they've played twice, division rivals, each winning in their own home. But as Mark, it pains Mark that the, the Pats didn't get enough credit for the Monday night game when the conditions were fierce. Well, this maybe sets up again here, Mark, for the, the Patriots, perhaps. I don't want to say it, but I'll say it. Of the tougher team, the team that can handle something a little bit out of the norm better than the Bills based on that outcome. Uh, maybe this helps the Pats, this weather situation. We'll start there. I mean, I think I think Bill Belichick having a third chance at the Bills helps also. Uh, you know, the Bills have a great coaching staff too, but that weather game, the first one was was chaotic, but also, you know, New England can't duplicate what they attempted to do in that game, having Mac Jones throw the ball, what was it, three times? 
They're going to need to get some big plays from Mac Jones. That's where I get a little concerned with this entire third rematch is just the Mac Jones of the last couple of weeks has, I think, been exposed a little bit. And are they going to be able to run the ball? That you know, I think Isaiah Wynn being out, that's not good for them. They have officially a of questionable. questionable. They didn't they, rule anyone out. Yeah, they have a bunch of guys who are definitely banged up but limited in practice. So we'll see how they are. But I, I do think that there's a slight edge whenever you get Bill Belichick three times coaching against the same opponent. Well, it's not just three times, but three times in seven weeks is weird. And uh, yeah. I do think that's like that's the that's. A source of optimism, I think, if you're a Patriots fan, just that it's a division game and three times in seven weeks, and then if you win it, it'll be a Belichick type of coaching game. Because every other logical trend is working against the Patriots. Josh Allen's playing his best football of the year, I would say. I know he had that game against Carolina, but even in that game, their running game has been on fire since the second half of the Bucks game. You said that Josh Allen's playing his best football? Yeah, I have? thought he played incredible last week. Interceptions had, on three straight drives against the Falcons of all teams in week 17. I, I get it. I said in that game that he did run the ball well. They did he score did. four touchdowns in seven drives. In a cup, one of those interceptions was a fluke. The other two were bad throws, obviously. But the throws he made against the Jets were just outrageous. The play, the play in Tampa was as good a half as any quarterback's had all year, and I think the game against New England was as good a game as any quarterback's had all year. He's yes. he's trending up in general, and more importantly, their running game is like they finished sixth in the year in the league in yards per carry, uh, in EPA, um, in yard in yards overall, and he's a huge part of that. Singletary is running well, and so I think that makes them a little more complete. More importantly, the Patriots have been terrible over the last month, and and especially their defensive line where to me that was the difference this year was Barmore and Judon. Barmore is now coming off an injury although he was limited in practice. Judon's coming off a month where he hasn't done anything and he's probably been a liability in That terms is way of on your radar Mark, Greg. Uh, I've well, noticed you mention that repeatedly. Right. It's what's changed to me. It, it doesn't mean that it can't flip in a wild card game but I think lately you know, other than the Jacksonville game, like they have not played well defensively, and and that it's a concern going up against Josh Allen. You also I might mean, be down there starting corner Jalen Mills as COVID, by the way. You know, to your point, the Titans ran for two hundred and seventy on New England, the Colts two hundred and twenty six. Last week, the Dolphins put up one hundred ninety five on them. So, if you're Buffalo, whether it's you know engined obviously through Josh Allen, you have to have that balance. You have to be able to run against New England. Uh, if you go back. I think the Bills are going to take care of business here. I think they're the better team, and I think this sets up uh, very well for the Buffalo defense. Everybody's like focusing on the weather and everything with Josh Allen. Buffalo's mm-hmm. defense with Mac Jones in a big spot, having to make plays, playing at not a high level right now, I think is the recipe for a very ugly offensive performance for New England. And if you look back, dating back now to – the the infamous weather game on Monday night in Buffalo. All right, Jones threw for 19 yards on three attempts. They hit their bye week. The Patriots, he comes, and he's bad for three quarters against the Colts. Has a really nice fourth quarter. They come back but lose that game. Then the Buffalo game, he plays poorly all game. Uh, really gets exposed, I thought, by the Bills. Jacksonville game, all right, good job. 50-10, to 10, classic late uh, Patriots season blowout against a bad team. And then in Miami, he again looks very rough, I thought, in that game. Uh, he was very upset with himself. Uh, he he gave it a very strong term that he was, I don't know if it was embarrassing or whatever. He lost the fumble near midfield. He threw a pick six. And I just think, 
I like Mac Jones, and I still think he has a very bright future. A rookie year on balance has been very good, but I think this is a bad draw for him, and I think the Bills are going to take advantage of it. He looks, I mean, I, I don't know about exhausted, but he's not like a physically imposing guy, and I think the wear of the NFL season at times, or mentally, physically, has maybe gotten to him. He also sounds like a perfectionist. Like, he beats himself up in those post-game press conferences, like can't, you know, he's very hard on himself, and it's it's a tough matchup. Like, the Bills are number one in defense. You know, I know it, yards, and, and depending on how you want to look at it, they've had a very easy schedule, but they're still a very... Uh, good defense. A rookie quarterback hasn't won a playoff game since Russell Wilson. And the one before that was the guy I mentioned before, TJ Yates. It's like, it is hard to do. I, I still think it's possible, though. Like, I don't count out, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, Kendrick Bourne, some of the guys who have been really good with the ball in their hands, making plays and this thing turning into a little bit of a defensive game and, and it's close at the end and, and Belichick is the difference. I don't think it's impossible. I do not think it's impossible at all. In fact, I'm locking up the Patriots. Oh! <laughs> wow. I am Love tired that. of the disrespect. Although I will say that they have not been the team that I was so favored, so you know excited about over the last couple of weeks. So this is dangerous. Um, so that is wildly classic. dangerous. They're like four, you know, they're underdogs uh, here in this one. I don't yeah, care about the odds. It was, um, that is that's gutsy. It's I this to me looks this is twenty four ten. I see it as the Patriots struggling to get into double digits. And the Buffalo Bills, because I don't totally trust their offense right now, I don't think they were impressive at all. Uh down the stretch in the last two weeks. That could all get wiped out, obviously, but with the conditions and Belichick and New England's defense, I don't think they have a, a big scoring week, so they're gonna score twenty to twenty four, but I think that's gonna be enough. Uh, the, and the Bills move on. It one would be a disaster, point. by the way. It would be a disaster if the Bills go one and done this year and lose to the Pats. Like They, right. they need to win this yep. game. That's the one other you want to talk about, pressure points. Buffalo is in this, like, the, St- the Steinbrenner doctrine uh, in the old days with the Yankees. Anything short of a championship is failure. Anything short of an AFC title for the Bills is going to be considered failure, so you got to take care of business. Will they feel that pressure uh, on Saturday night. Or, Saturday or are they night. like a team that's been there? And I guess this is how I've seen the Bills all year, that like if they can just get to the point where they're into the playoffs, have have a home game would be nice, that I was kind of expecting them to rise up. A team that's been there like really good, better. They're in that sweet spot of continuity, talent, all that stuff. That said, I picked the Patriots online just because I didn't want to like root against my pick. Ed, one last very quick point is Ed Oliver has been playing out of his wait, mind. Wait a second, Bills. you picked? We just did an entire. We just did an entire breakdown. I don't even game. believe it. I this is one and where you were pro. I admittedly Buffalo. don't believe it, but I'm just going to pick the Patriots <laughs> because i I don't want I don't want to like. I you just want to be aligned in like what it, I'm Greg. rooting for. I, I like really it. Might back something, something good here, Greg. I think right. That's what I mean. It's correct. like here's the reality. No one has any clue. So in in a case where it's you're rooting for your team in a playoff, I'm not. I probably will never pick against them in the playoffs in in my entire life. Why, yeah, why I mean that's the certainly the Patriots could win this game. It would not be some crazy upset. But when I hear you offer your analysis for ten minutes and it's basically all pro. Buffalo. I'm worried. I'm it actually worried warms my heart out. a little bit to I'm, see you then go, but Patriots. Out. I'm worried they could get blown out, but maybe that's my fandom. I've been totally off on this team all year. I never know when they're going to be good or bad. So. Ricky, do you have a pick Let's on go. this one? Mark's making me feel good. Formally? Yeah, I just really we'll feel like the Bills are the better team. I think the cold <laughs> will be an issue, and I just don't see Mac Jones and Bill Belichick 
you know, winning the third the third time. You know, we it's split right now, and I just think that the Bills are are gonna definitely get this one done. <laughs> See, now I'm nervous. Very, I don't need, very thank bizarre. you. I'm very. That was good. She was Ricky. like. She was like building up her special powers over the last four or five weeks, sitting out the picks. It was all strategy was just like, so that this one could be even better. Yeah. It had a little like Doctor Strange vibes to it. You put like a witch's hat on, I would be certain right. that you were casting. Actually, that also spell. has me backing off my lock because right. like it, Ricky's powers on this front have been tangible. Well, yeah, but she's last on the time, same side. Last yeah, time she's... we talked about it at Mark, length. Mark, do you not know how it, it like, works at this point? Anti-jinx. Right. Well, plus the bills are all going to be <laughs> running around with these huge boners. It's going to be super <laughs> distracting. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know how to move off of that. They're actually, guess what, TV guy? You actually, your program, your morning show actually has something interesting that just popped up. Something that the audience didn't know about. Why don't you actually listen to the former player, the former Pro Bowler? Maybe he'll learn something. Riddick is a former player, so he should he should double down on listening to a former player. Well, they, they didn't have Viagra back in the nineties. Uh, the nineties Browns. Who knows what you know? Maybe they wouldn't have moved to Baltimore if if they did back then. All right, let's That's move troubling. to Sunday. Let's move to Sunday. Philadelphia Eagles, the seventh seed, travel to Tampa to take on the Bucks. Now, this sets up obviously very well for Tom Brady and company. Tom Brady does not lose. Tom Brady, uh, Greg, how many times did Tom Brady go one and done? I think the year after his knee reconstruction, the Ravens got him. Has it ever happened? Well, that Jets game, that was a one and done, wasn't it? Uh, when you get a buy, I don't think that's typically. I, I don't look at it that way, but yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, the Titans got him in the last year of New England, yeah, as well. So it's not unprecedented. So that kind of blows up my theory there. So it's not like Tom can't be defeated in the first round, but I can't see the Eagles doing it. I in the know- wild card round, I think you might be right. I don't think he's ever lost in the wild card round, other than that Tennessee game. Yeah, Tennessee in the Baltimore game in 2009, yeah. right? Oh yeah, so, my bad. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Uh, no, no, you're not. It's just that was a long time ago. We're very I'm like old. Mac Jones. I hate myself. <laughs> the Eagles here, uh, they need to me, Mark. They need to be in this game for Jalen Hurts to be dynamic with his arms and his legs. That's the pressure point to this game for me. Pressure point. If he is not making those plays and he hasn't been doing it really uh, at a consistent level since he came back, I don't think they have any chance. But if he does, then it could get interesting the way Tyler Heineke made things interesting last year this time. Um, but it really is going to take something special from Hertz. I, that's my belief with this game. I'm with you. I think, you know, when they played the first time, that was before Philly really went through its metamorphosis on offense and became what they are and why they're in the playoffs. And, you know, I know that we like to just look at the Bucks and say no one can run against them. But it's, it's, it's not true if you look at the splits between trying to run between the tackles and run outside the tackles. And Jalen Hurts is one of the best around at doing that. I, I think that he can make plays against this defensive front. You know, the Bucks have a lot of guys right now that are practicing who, how do we know what they're going to look like? I mean, you don't have Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin, but you look at like Levante David, Shaq Barrett is coming off the COVID list, Jason Pierre-Paul, they're on the practice field, but COVID has told us we don't know what that guy's going to look like necessarily days later in a game. And in general, what this Bucks defense will look like. I trust the offense, even with out, you know, your star guys in there. 
because it's Brady, to put up, to basically get a lead early and put the Eagles into a situation where they're playing from behind. It's going to be very rainy, too. I think that kind of favors the Eagles a little bit if it becomes sort of a sloppy, run-oriented game. Because you look at who the Bucks have, that's going to diminish their passing attack. But maybe that means a lot for Rob Gronkowski or something. They're going to, I think weather will be, again, weather will be a factor in this one. Right. They, the forecast right now, and things change in Florida pretty quickly, is there could be a big thunder and rainstorm. It could all be done by the time the game happens, and it's just like a little bit of a, a wet field and a colder game. I think that would absolutely help Philadelphia. They, they, they slow down the pace of play as much as any team in the league, offensively and defensively. Like they, they gave up the shortest yards per completion of any team in the league, but they give up one of the highest percentage of completion. So it's like their defense is built to just like give up a bunch of seven yard throws. I worry that they're not a team that changes what they do like post snap. And I feel like you kind of have to do that against Brady. Uh, That's what Belichick did in week four, I think was very telling to try to slow Tom Brady down and and they don't have that sort of defense. So I'm not worried about the Bucks offense at all. You give the Bucks offensive line uh, healthy Tom Brady, fine. And uh, he'll roll. But I think Hertz will play well. I, th- I think Hertz threw the ball well late in the year. He still, he still had key running plays. And you mentioned that, Mark, this Tampa run defense has been average for half the season. It's 16th in EPA in terms of their run defense for half the season, going against one of the best offensive lines, one of the best running games. And I think that's kind of a, a recipe. You even saw it last week against Carolina, just for not many possessions. Like, Tampa was down in that game partly because they didn't have the ball uh, at all in the first half. And I could see this being like a seven possession game for each team where it's actually pretty close at the end and, and Philly covers that eight, eight and a half point spread. And I know you like the Eagles, Greg, but I, I just I can't, as I watched them week after week, I just couldn't get invested in the team. They they made the playoffs on the back of a four-game winning streak that beat Jets, Washington, Giants, Washington. They got blown out 50-burger in week 18. They were starting some, some of their guys, so I'm not going to get crazy about that. But if there's ever a team to me that feels like, hey, we went nine and eight, we went to the playoffs in year one with a new head coach in the first full season of starter with Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah, we got killed in the playoffs in the first round, but it was Tom Brady. Like that feels like how this is going to play out. Now, again, this is weird. This is a weird season, Mark, and you don't know. There's going to be maybe an outcome here that doesn't make any sense, but to me, if this if I had to pick what the the final score on this one is, this one feels thirty four seven something like that. I I, oh, I think wow. it's a, and I That's I'm sad. gonna lock up the Bucks. I'm all about the the defending champs here taking care of business. So there you go. Can you even do that based on what the desert is saying? Do we still oh we still adhere to the desert in the playoffs? I thought we waived that. I could certainly move off it. I want to well, play I'm by not, the code. Well, I'm not going to you know be a school marm about it. I think it's... in the in the past we sort of just forgot about the mirror in the playoffs. If it's um, playoffs, if you want to kill the mirror, kill the mirror, throw it out the window. But I think it's going to be closer than that. I, in fact, I think it's going to have a weird um, element where it's the same exact score as the first time they met, twenty eight to twenty two. Ooh, that was a weird game. Yeah, I was I was going to base my locks off of like where you guys are going. It's like, well, if we were allowed to take the Chiefs, you just take the Chiefs. I mean, it seems what a, but but I Mark saw was Mark so did. Mark's Mark, sticking his minions on me now on Twitter right. like Well, no, Mark oh, was so Dan's courageous. Cheating. Dan is not looking in the mirror. Once I see Mark's pick. I was like I have to pick a, a real thing. game. I, I was come asking up with a real the question game. because the spread is enormous, but 
if that's how we what is the spread it, i didn't even look it's, what is it? it's um like 12 it's, and a half or something no no it's a, it, this one is a eight and a half vegas has kind of liked philly all year um i and i i think it makes sense i i think your point mark about the injured players is really important those aren't just like guys coming off of injury and, and even the covid list uh shaq barrett was hurt too they're, they're coming off of serious injuries. David is as in, important to their defense as any player. Are they going to be themselves this week? First of all, are they going to play this week? We don't even know. But are they going to be all the way back? I think this might be the, the right week to catch them. Leonard Fournette is another name you didn't mention. And he's coming off of uh, an injury that kept him off three or four weeks. So these are their best. These are their best players. You know, these are some of their best players. Shaq Barrett. Leonard Fournette, Levante David. And so I think that that's a huge factor in this one. You're going to have to get something out of Brashad Perriman. You know, your guy, uh, Dan, who you like to, you know, (laughs) we used to talk about his hairline a lot. You know, now he's turning into a playoff hero here for the Bucs. He's looked good the last I I tend to, I like to do it just arbitrarily. And I I do a cut and paste of Brashad Perriman's headshot (laughs) and send it. Uh, to the gang on text with no other explanation other than I just like to look at it because uh, it's like he's stuck with the dreads even when the the forehead was racing up north. Uh, and I don't think that's what he looks like anymore. But they no, never changed that was his no, haircut. Got a nice haircut, I think. Yeah, he, yeah he they never, nice they've now. never updated nice it, now. so it's more almost in a remembrance of when he was 22 and was like, "I'm not willing to give up the the mm. dread battle yet." Now it's over. He he made some real plays. He made a catch last week that was incredible. Mike Evans looked really good last week. He was some someone I think that gets to the point I was making about the injuries. Like he didn't look like himself for a week or two coming off that injury, but last week it looked like the old Mike Evans again, which is big. So you put Darius Slay on Mike Evans for, you know, sixty five percent of the game. And I do think that puts Tom Brady in a tough situation. If 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 the weather and wind and rain are a factor here, I I think it changes what they have to do a little bit. I think this is going to be closer than what you mentioned, 34-7, Dan. Um, we'll see. Uh, Tampa, by the way, 7-1 and one at home this year, and Tom Brady has been an absolute stud. And um, Bruce Arians, in a playoff week, started his availability on Monday by basically calling out anyone who says it makes any sense not to give the fourth MVP award to Tom Brady. Let's listen to Bruce. I think it's... If he doesn't get it, it's a travesty. I mean, most completions ever, 5,000 yards, touchdowns, the whole, the whole nine yards. I mean, I mean, to me, it's not even a, it's not even a close race. I like it. And you know what? He's got a great case. I think Rodgers would probably be my pick, but if Brady won it, there's nobody that can say, oh, that's a travesty because he absolutely has delivered this year in a big way. I think he was a little more consistent. I think he was definitely better in the first half of the season, and so it's a little bit of recency bias. Rodgers closed stronger, although Brady played great the last three weeks against bad teams. I And I think volume should matter a little bit. Like, he, he dropped back to pass 170 more times than Rodgers, and to me, they were pretty close in terms of their effectiveness when they dropped back to pass. He also didn't miss a game. Like, a game is a significant portion of the season. 170 extra times. I'm giving it to Tom Brady. I'll give it to Tom, too, but think if you're the Saints, <laughs> thinking what you did to both of these MVP candidates over three games. Yeah, that's fair. Saints the Saints Saints with Jameis Winston would have been a fun seven seed in this game, for instance, or in, in a in a different wild card game. They would have been fun. I'm they would have made the playoffs. That would have won a game. They would have won an extra game with Jameis. I guess I agree with you. Like Winston would have given a little bit of sizzle, but 
I, I was okay with the Saints not being in the playoffs. Was, what about Jameis back on the Bucks? We just insert him into that situation. I don't like that at all. So it's a classic middle of the road guy. <laughs> is Jameis a free agent, by the way? Uh, yeah, that would be amazing if um, the Bucks won another Super Bowl and then they traded Brady and signed Jameis Winston. That would be surprising. Be <laughs> amazing. I don't know about amazing. <laughs> all right, let's move weird. to the uh, the middle game on Sunday. Uh, right after this break. All right, we're back. This is, to me, the best game of the weekend. The San Francisco 49ers piping hot after that really impressive, gutsy comeback win uh, here in L.A. to beat the Rams. They're the sixth seed. They travel now to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. The Cowboys are the three seed. Um, and, Mark, uh, this game, to me, profiles as... A Dallas team that's going to be favorited to win this game, um, I, I would imagine they're getting probably about three and a half or so, uh, Greg. Um, three. Three, and uh, they have all the firepower, and this, te- this team really, when you consider all that they have, which is a 5,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard receiver, a 1,000-yard rusher, a uh, linebacker with 10-plus sacks or 12-plus sacks in Micah Parsons, a cornerback with 10 interceptions, pro bowlers all over the place. They're supposed to win this game, and yet doesn't it feel like the Niners are a really tough matchup and, to me, feel like the team that's going to come out of this game? I, I think you've got to be annoyed if you're the Cowboys that this is who you drew in this first round because I think the Niners are a tough matchup for Dallas. It's It's... Guys like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, the way he's playing, their run game, they're just one of the more original teams in all of football, the way that they operate on offense. And I know that, you know, I, it's not just my Shanahan, you know, fascination. I, I think that we're starting to see what it was that did fascinate about, about them to me. And it com- probably comes down to the splits between the Jimmy Garoppolo games where he's clean, he doesn't turn the ball over and cause massive headaches, they're pretty much unstoppable. If you get the game where he fumbles around, causes problems, you know, misfires a ball into the lap of a Dallas Cowboy, Micah Parsons, then you've got issues. But I, I am flat out picking the Niners to win this game. Mm. And I'm going, you know what? I'm switching my lock to a team that I really, really support, the Niners. <laughs> I'm locking this team up. Forget the wow. Patriots. Oh, that hurts, Mark. This you game know, I, should be Monday night football. I was way. impressed, you know, with your faith, but you are taking another underdog. Now, and this is one where I, I feel like they're actually getting picked by the majority of people this week because everyone, you, know, you want to pick like one underdog. And like logically, they've played better than the Cowboys. So I, I like the Cowboys here. I don't feel strong about it. I do think their, their matchup on the outside in terms of when the Cowboys have the ball is so great for them. Like that can't be discounted. The, the 49ers defense, and I think with DVOA, is second against the run, first uh, against or, or in the top five, I think, in passes under 15 yards, in dead last uh, in passes over 15 yards, which is like something when you watch them just seems almost obvious that they, they just don't have guys that can cover deep down the field. And I just think Kellen Moore will know that, will see the mismatches, and that it's just a day for Dak to be great. Be great. CeeDee Lamb, be great. Amari Cooper, 
be great. You, you're you're much better than your counterparts. Dak, you're much better than Jimmy G. I mean, everyone's, you know, you guys are going crazy to give Jimmy G a lot of credit. Yeah, he made a couple nice plays in that game. He also had two interceptions, including one in the fourth quarter and a fumble in that game. Like, you make that those sort of mistakes this week, I don't think you, you get away. That's with what it. it's about to me. That's the pressure point of this game. Bam! Pressure. Pressure. Uh, because if Jimmy G does that stuff, I think that's going to do in the Niners. But if he plays a clean, efficient game, that's all he has to be. It's a it's a cliche, but with the Niners, be, be a game manager. Get the ball into the hands of your playmakers. You don't need to make dynamic throws to do that. Good, because Jimmy G doesn't really make dynamic throws. He doesn't have a big arm, but get the ball in Debo's hands. Uh, their running game has been very good. Um I think Elijah Mitchell actually finished seventh in the league in rushing, despite missing so a lot good. of times. Like this He's is really underrated. Yeah, this is a loaded offense. They just need a field general guy that can just get the ball in the hand. So I think that's certainly possible. To your point, Greg. Yes, when you go back and you watch um, that Rams game, you get caught up in the, the moxie that that team showed and how incredible that last drive was to tie the game late in regulation. But yeah, but Jimmy G almost buried him in that game. It was the defense that kind of bailed out uh, the Niners and allowed them to get back into the game. So he needs, he needs absolutely to be cleaner. And I, I just think like, here's the thing with the Cowboys and you mentioned it, Greg, like step up Dak, be Dak. All right. But don't, don't just be Dak when you're playing Philly's backups or when you're playing the Washington football team that has three quarters of their guys on the COVID list. Like, be Dak when it matters. When the competition is there, step up and be better than the best. And I'm a little concerned when you look at the way their season played out uh, in, the, in the back half that this team was a bully. And when they get when they get a team that punches them in the mouth, they start to press, they miss plays. And is that going to happen in a playoff spot? And you're going to get to all those cuts to Jared Jones looking forlorn <laughs> and nervous in the booth. I can no. just see it now that Ugh. the Cowboys are going to come up small at home here. So I hate to be like the guy that's on board with everyone else being on board with the underdogs, but I'm with you too, Mark. I just think that the Niners are going to come in here free and easy and, and steal a win here. To your point, in nine wins, Jimmy G had four giveaways. Over those nine wins, in the losses, he had 11. So it's not just that we always want to talk about the quarterbacks, but his mistakes matter a ton. I do think, though, that this Niners team right now, even if they get into, if they get down a little bit to Dallas, I, I look at that Rams game as, a, as something that tells me so much about who the Shanahan-led Niners are. And I think they're going to be an impossible, tough out for three-plus quarters here. And I'm telling you, this game comes down to two words, Greg Zerline. That's what we're going to be talking about when we come out of this thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was hoping um, it wasn't those two words. If it comes so down many to pressure that, points, they're they're probably in trouble. Uh, although, like the, their kicking situation isn't isn't too good either. You're right. Like the Cowboys, like look, they haven't won playoff games with you know, with Dak. Like they, this is something that they need to like. It's a massive game. You have Blake Jarwin back, and I do think. When 49ers have the ball, like that's kind of football porn. This is a great matchup, first of all. Like, I'd like to get rid of the, you know, like, let one of these teams play the Raiders and one of them play uh, the Steelers and like let them both advance because I, I like them both. But when, when the 49ers have the ball, it's a rare time where the Cowboys athletes on defense, Lawrence and Gregory and Micah Parsons, of course, are going up against like equal athletes. Like in, and I don't know who has the advantage, and I don't think either side is used to playing a, another team that is at, at 
just physically gifted as the 49ers offense is. We didn't mention Juwan Jennings, who's been like incredible for them as a third receiver too. It's just like two like physically imposing sides that are just have like specimens on it. It's about as good as, as it gets. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous wildcard game. It could uh, did be you like insinuate the there that there's only some, some players or athletes on the Dallas defense? I think they're all fine athletes. My that, point is they are another gotcha. le- gotcha another ass. level of athlete. Lawrence and Gregory and Parsons. And I think the Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, Juwan Jennings, Mitchell, in terms of what they do after the catch, is another level of ath- athleticism. Like these two teams are just like big, bad, bad men. But are they bad people? Like bad men? Like no, uh, I don't feel mean like that. I just mean they're they're probably really they're, good people. Just play for they're like they're the two teams that look good coming off a of gotcha. bus. You know, they're the, gotcha those two teams. Those are two teams. Mark, welcome back. You had stepped away. What happened? Well, I have this. Um, my voices have gone. You sound good. <clears throat> no, it's probably you look very like you might have lost some weight. Is that true? Yeah, I think I have. I mean, it's been a long. Uh, it's been a long couple months, but you know. Gonna be all right. Getting back on the Peloton soon. So, but my voice is so shot, and like I feel like it must be highly annoying to anyone. Well, I thought of that. Like COVID couldn't be. You already don't like food, famously. So COVID plus not liking food is is not a recipe for a lot of food. Sure. COVID took about eight pounds off me, which I was not wow. expecting. And I mean, I got that. I got that cough that turned into like a lost voice. So, uh, mm. yeah, it's. You ex- remember this. Ideal situation for someone trying to attempt to broadcast a message. We do uh, appreciate you, Thank you for talking it out, Mark. Um, remember the San Francisco Dallas games in the early '90s? That was my favorite rivalry of the '90s uh, when Dion was bouncing around with both teams, and it was so. This is going to seem crazy to to younger fans, but there was this crazy run where the AFC was just a, a lamb being led to, to slaughter for the Super Bowl. NFC was winning every year for like a 20 year period. So when the NFC championship game came around that 4 PM game between the Cowboys and 49ers would just decide who was the champion. And, uh, I remember those games well at old candlestick. And of course, uh, uh, what was it? The Dallas stadium. What did they call it? Texas stadium. Mm-hmm. Got a Bernie Kosar kneel down in the NFC title game that put him into the Super Bowl after Bill Belichick cut him saying that he had diminished skills. So a little bit of a, a win for him, but the the other issue. I mean, with Belichick was, was right. It's, did let's he play not that game? That or was he just well, Greg, why do you, Greg? I I don't disagree, but why do you need to just? <laughs> well, you just made it sound like Belichick was way off base. I think in this evaluation, he was right. Right, but it, it was, well, you're yeah. saying he came out as the backup right. to just uh, run out the clock. It's not yeah, like he, came he was like the, the field down, general leading them to the NFC title. But you know, I think anyone watching it felt a moment of justice for Bernie. But I thought maybe you left some, you left it a little open ended to make it seem like Bernie was responsible and got revenge by playing well. He played a, a, a huge chunk of one of those Cowboys playoff games and did well. What? Hey, I'm backing off. So, I no, was I mean, not aware of that. Know, that was the, sort of the whole thing hey, was that Bernie came in and did up. an excellent job for them. So, Ricky, I need you to go on Pro Football Reference and look up Bernie Kozar's playoff outing in around what ninety four or so. Would that be it? About 95? It would have been 93. 93, okay. All right, let's move on. Do you have Dallas, Mark? Uh, Greg? I did take Dallas, but 
I it was more like that's what I want to happen. So sure. uh, and it's a coin flip, so I took them. It'd be fun. I think it'd be fun to see the Cowboys win this game. All right, late game Sunday, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Zombie Steelers. You know, I saw I saw something today that Juju Smith Schuster was you know uh, designated to return from IR, and I was like, well, that doesn't matter. They don't play till September. I was like, wait a second. No, they're still here. The Steelers are in the playoffs. <laughs> roaming the countryside looking for a new host to feed on. They want brains. That's how it works. Why was this put into prime time? I'm I'm so baffled with where, how they buried Dallas, San Francisco in the middle of the day versus A, putting it on Monday Night Football, or at least in this spot. Well, well that, gets, that gets the biggest ratings, technically. For some reason, they don't like... No one cares about daytime ratings, but that's the game Fox, you know, wanted. Um, or no, who, who has that game? Is it Romo? I think it's CBS. Everyone was fighting, I'm sure, over that game, and maybe CBS was first in line. Plus, but those those afternoon games do just as well. They're, I mean, I assume know, they'll the all do time. very well. I just I don't yeah. want to watch the Steelers, you know, when the sun goes down. But right? also, it's you have to understand, like zombies at night, better visual than zombies during the day. So you got to factor true. that in. And That's also, the true. idea of the dead versus the, the the living versus the undead in a in a, a football match like that feels like that's something people are going to want to tune into. You want to hear what Bernie Kosar did in this game? Yes. All right, so he came in for an injured Troy Aikman, went five for nine for 83 yards and a touchdown. No mistakes. Right. Way to go. Take that, Belichick, you bum. Exactly. And you, know, you know who it was against? Oh, yeah, the 49ers. Wow, it all, all sets up beautifully. All right, so... The Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a little quick aside here. They're playing because the Colts blew it. I don't know if you guys um, had a chance to check it out, but I did make a point to watch the Hard Knocks finale last night just to see the the postmortem of how that slow-motion car crash took took shape around the Colts. And, uh, man, it was not pretty. It was, was you know, everyone mic'd up on the Colts' sideline, and they're cutting to Frank Reich, and he's like talking to himself, like everything's fine. Stick to the plan. Stick to oh, the plan. No. And then they cut to Carson Wentz, who is a he is a nothing burger, charisma wise. There is nothing about him that tells you I'm going to get the sideline motivated. As they're falling behind, he's like going down the sideline, being like, "It's okay, guys. It's okay. It's okay." And there's just like this creeping dread on the side. I highly, if you're interested in a house, something like I that I want to watch it. I'm going to watch is, it. And by the end of the game, Darius Leonard's like kneeled down during a, a TV timeout. And he's like, I can't believe this happened. I can't like everyone was just shocked. And then um, Chris Ballard, uh, general manager of the Colts. What's your favorite type of frog? He was. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I was connected to Chris Ballard. You might have to dig through the archives and I don't even remember what it was anymore. Uh, but they were asked about what's the future for Carson Wentz, who obviously was very bad in that game. And here's what he had to say. Well, mate, when we made the decision after Philip retired and we made the decision to, <laughs> to make a move on Carson at the time of the decision, we felt good about it. And I still don't regret the decision at the time. I'm not going to just sitting here today, just so y'all know, I won't, I won't make a comment on who's going to be here, going to be here next year. That's not fair. <laughs> I think that is very notable. That is the translation of that. Having seen this enough is that 
if they really were all the way in on, hey, we're running this back, we'll be okay with at quarterback, you say it right there and you end it. When you leave it open-ended, to me, that tells me they are going to kick some tires and they might be in a similar situation to your Browns, Mark, where it's like, yeah. if we end up with Carson Wentz behind center, it's going to be because nothing really came, a better thing didn't come along and we felt it was still, it was a workable situation. But it also feels like if something comes up, they are going to make that move. And you I can finally get you can finally get them on the Browns, Mark, like you wanted back in no, 2016. No, I'm, I'm not longing for that on any level. I mean, I think there's a supply problem, so you've got to like sort of back the guy you have now. Although that didn't feel like the same way that the Browns back Baker Mayfield. That comment on Wentz, but then kind of walk it back if you find someone better. I mean, I just don't know where you're finding someone better in the veteran heap. Right, the sound clip didn't sound as bad, I thought, as it looked on Twitter, where it, it sounded like, oh, this guy still didn't gone. sound great, though. It no, like it didn't sound was, great. Yeah. I know. And Reich didn't really back him any stronger either, and that's his guy. But I think the odds are more likely that Wentz is back just because it's tricky. Now maybe they'll they'll draft someone. Uh, maybe not. The thing that I found most interesting from all this postmortem was that Jim Ursay never, according to the Athletic, essentially never stopped being pissed that. Carson Wentz was unvaccinated and he's the owner of the team and he 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 made um, Ballard and Reich show up to work Sunday night after flying home to basically do the season postmortem where he was still like you know furious essentially of what happened and look if the owner of the team was pissed about that the whole time you can be, you can probably guess he's not thrilled with Carson Wentz in general because why would he be I wonder if yeah, if so. all this is because in that postmortem just speculation Ursa's like get this guy off my team like he doesn't want anything to do with him I wonder if that that that's where we're headed so it's already kind of decided at this point and that was just the opening salvo um, alright let's uh, take a break all right, let's get now. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Zombie Steelers, go to they go to Kansas City now, and they get the Chiefs. So we have a second seed Chiefs team um, that feels like a really good draw. Uh, does this have Greg? Do, do you have any vibes that this could turn into this is Big Ben's last game, most likely a Dan Marino's last game situation back in '99. <laughs> Uh, with the Dolphins, where it's sixty-two-seven, like is that a possibility here? Yes, yes. And I've tried to like wonder if like could this game be? Co- of course, it could be. It's the NFL that like even the worst and best teams aren't quite as far apart as you as you think on a given day. It, it's possible. Like the you know the Lions beat the Cardinals. That, maybe that's not a good example, but they're you know they were, the Jaguars beat the Bills. But the the Chiefs just played the Steelers three weeks ago, and it's hilarious that Mahomes said they were still looking for a complete game, and that he left that game, and the score was thirty three to three with eleven minutes to go. They totally dominated Pittsburgh up front on both sides, offensive line and defensive line, and that's where it's just hard to imagine Pittsburgh scoring here because the Chiefs' pass rush, Jones, Clark, Jaron Reed. I've just been playing great lately, and I know their 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 secondary isn't very good, but I just don't see the Steelers as the team to make them pay for that. And Big Ben under pressure, like in that game, that was the game where Romo and and you know fans of the Steelers are just like, well, why is he just throwing the ball right now? Like he was just throwing two yard passes on third and eight because he was didn't want to get hit and didn't want to hold the ball. And I just can't I can't see an, any other outcome this week. Yeah, I mean. Andy Reid noting that every Chief practiced. I want to see what version we get of Tyreek Hill, but 
this could even be a game where you get an opportunity to rest Tyreek Hill if it gets out of hand early and, and, and maybe anyone else that's kind of banged up. I, I know what we said before they played the Steelers the first time, that we'd love to see them run the ball against one of the worst run defenses in the league if you're Kansas City. They didn't really do a ton of that. They tried. They ran the ball 35 times for about 140 yards that first game against the Steelers, but hmm. it just didn't really matter. And I, I think this is one where, you know, from the outside you'd say, look, like unless T.J. Watt goes absolutely ballistic and causes a hellscape for Patrick Mahomes, you, you mix in a defensive touchdown and you get a couple early mistakes by Patrick Mahomes that put the Steelers into a good position, how is this not 28-3 to you know, in the third quarter at some point, or 28 to 10. And the Steelers, as zombies do, sort of hanging around, but they never deserved, not deserved because they got in, but they, they don't feel or look like a playoff team. They look like something far uglier. That's my, yeah, that, to me, that's the pressure point for this game, which it, pressure. That, that's TJ Watt needs to be a monster. And that pressure has to lead to, <laughs> pressure. That has to lead to, turnovers i don't it has to be a fluky weird game but you know what the thing about kansas city we want to act like that version of the chiefs is dead and buried but i could see it popping up again here it happened enough during the year where they it was were like, trailing oh. in denver last week yeah, yeah balls getting deflected at the line of scrimmage ending up in the arms of linebackers uh mahomes trying to do too much a receiver clanks off of Nicole hardman's hands uh and it's taken back the other way like all that stuff but that's what it has to be i think the t- the talent disparity and really the quarterback disparity it's the biggest disparity of any matchup because ben roethlisberger has been to the playoff 14 times and he's going to the hall of fame and he's got multiple rings but he can't play anymore he stinks and, and mahomes <laughs> should just be the difference here in this matchup even if they'll never share the field Right. I think there were a couple games this year where Pittsburgh just tried to just chuck it deep all game just because they have Deontay Johnson and maybe Juju Juju does play in this game. Not that he's a a deep threat, but it it sounded like he has a chance. But you you have him in Claypool. You have a defense in Kansas City that likes to leave their cornerbacks on island and you just give it a shot. And maybe that's a high variance thing where you have some early turnovers and you do lose 38 to three or you actually hit on a couple. It could work. The the Ben Roethlisberger press conference this week really cracked me up, though. Um, Ricky, why don't why don't we take a listen to that? Yeah, I mean, we're probably 20 point underdogs and we're going to the number one team the number one team that i know they're not the number one seed but they're the number one team that's won the afc the last two years um arguably the best team in football um we don't have a chance so let's just go in and play and have fun thanks Hmm. he he had a big build up to that too like he didn't hit the sarcasm like hard enough i know what he was trying to do he wasn't being serious but it sounded too much like he actually believed it and it really cracked me up on instagram uh, those words were written out in a post, and Najee <laughs> Harris sent it out um, with some words casting doubt on what Ben said, saying, like, what are you talking about? Uh, I won't say what he, what he said exactly. He deleted it right away, but uh, uh, it was hilarious. I think it's just a I don't know psychological what warfare. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know what else to say to this game. I think we kind of – we're all on the same page. It would yeah. be stunning if it, if it turned out any other way than the Chiefs winning by multiple scores. Uh, and I think also part of Roethlisberger's kind of like F it vibe there is like, I think everyone's on the same page, including the Steelers. Like we're not supposed to be here. Like we did our business and won games down the stretch. And then some team totally gagged on a historic level down in Jacksonville. And now we're in the playoffs. And it's like, okay, I, I believed him because I think part of him 
actually would have been pretty happy ending his career beating the Ravens and Browns, ending their seasons in back-to-back weeks. Would you rather do that? Or oh, would you rather go go play another week in the cold against some team that you're probably going to look like? It's right. not like Ben has played well the last two weeks. He's, he's played poorly. Get and now he's got to go Kansas lose. City. He's right. already done the thing where he you know, goes circular around the stadium giving everyone a high five. I mean, that happened two-plus weeks ago at this point. I don't buy that, though. Greg, I know you're not a Ben fan, but he's a, a great competitor, and I'm sure he's happy to be in the playoffs. But when it's uh, 31-3 in the third quarter, yeah, he might have been – he might be thinking – to himself, ah man, how about how about that game ends in a tie on Sunday night? That would have been fine. Mm. Steelers fans are going to be all over us and everyone if they actually win right. this game. Deontay Johnson said this week, "Don't jump back on the bandwagon when we win this thing." Who so was on the bandwagon in the first place? <laughs> no one's thought this was a big time team. All right, Monday night football, first time ever. We're going to have a prime time game, like ever, ever, right? Because Super Bowl is not even prime time. That that's a game that kicks off between three o'clock and six o'clock. There have been mul- There have been four. Oh well, Saturday previous night games. Monday yeah. games, Monday playoff games. I don't know if they were Monday night games, but there were four really? previous playoff games. I was surprised by this. When and and they were all in Los Angeles except for one. This was, um, you know, said by our our, our friend Andrew Siciliano on NFL Now. I don't have any more information. Monday right. during the day feels like an odd time to have a what playoff. Yeah, it, was probably, it probably was Monday night game. They said there was one in the 70s and stuff. I don't know. Oh, you know? okay. All right. All right, the Cardinals, the fifth seed, travel here to SoFi to take on the Rams. Um, Rams coming off really a, a bad beat to the Niners, but because the Cardinals blew their game against the Seahawks, the Rams now are the division champs, which means they are hosting the Cardinals. But guess what? It's probably... All for the best for the Cardinals, who went three and five at home this year, and uh, eight and one, I believe, on the road. So the last time the Cardinals were on the road in a game, we were all doubting them. They won and beat the Cowboys in Dallas. So is it going to be that version, that scrappy version of the Cardinals that shows up, or are they just going to get blown away here, Greg? Uh, because they have been trending downward for about a month and a half now. And this is how these things end for these teams that typically play like this down the stretch. Yeah, they had that that win against the Cowboys. But other than that, they've lost four or five. Three to non-playoff teams now. Although the Colts, you know, felt like they should have been one. They're, since week 11, which is when Kyler Murray came back, they are 15th in offense in EPA and 23rd in defense. That's a pretty long stretch. And that's with Kyler Murray. That's a mediocre-looking team. And the biggest problem, I think, is up front on, in terms of their offense. I, I just can't see them protecting or being able uh, to run consistently on the Rams. Now, the Rams have run defense issues, but I, I really am impressed with this defensive line in general, especially you know, rushing the passer. Lately, DJ Humphreys, the left tackle for the Cardinals, has really struggled. Just their offensive line in general is requiring Kyler Murray to be so special play after play. It's a hard way to, to live. And I, I think Von Miller played his best game last week. Greg Gaines has been good. Aishon Robinson's been on fire. I just think that mismatch a, a alone is going to make it very hard for a Cardinals offense that just hasn't been explosive to score and to, and to keep up with the Rams. Yeah, like a Cardinals defense that was very special early in the year got absolutely obliterated by Rashad Penny a week ago. You're now dealing with Aaron Donald, who had three sacks on Kyler Murray when they last played in Week 14 and blew up that game plan. And you still see Kyler Murray every game doing incredibly special things that only Kyler Murray could do. But 
the offense in general, we've talked about it a ton of times, seem confused, cannot get out of their own way. He has seven passing touchdowns in his last seven games. Without DeAndre Hopkins in there, his QB rating has dropped by almost 19 points. And so there are legit real problems. I'm, I'm with you that the offensive line have a lot to do with it. The Rams' secondary is a little banged up to the point where they had to go sign Eric Weddle, who hasn't played in like 700 days. So maybe there are opportunities here for this to be not a blowout, but we have to get a Cardinals team that looks completely atypical to what they've looked like the last three or four weeks. Well, quickly on the defensive backs, I I do want to mention, like, it's not just that they lost Kendall Fuller, who's a captain uh, for the rest of the season. They have a shoulder injury for their cornerback, Darius Williams, and Taylor Rapp, their other starting safeties, in the concussion protocol. That's suddenly a lot of defensive backs, uh, and that's back-to-back weeks almost that they've lost the guy who has the green dot on his helmet. Like, that was Ernest Jones, their linebacker. Then it's Kendall Fuller, and they lost that back-to-back weeks, like guys who are their defensive play callers. So that, that is pretty significant. In the back end, there, there could be some opportunities. Yeah, there are opportunities, and yet... Who who's the dynamic playmaker left now on the Cardinals? And I think this has been exposed a little bit uh, that it didn't go as deep as maybe we thought initially. Um, Connor, because, assuming Connor he plays, on a bad he's heel. a game time decision. Yeah, he's he's banged up. So you have a guy that he could be limited by injury. AJ Green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz. These guys aren't making big plays, and it's it's putting. Kyler Murray in a situation where he, to me, he looks mortal. I know he has moments every week where he's like, oh, man, this guy's special, and I agree with that. But I think it's going to be a point of emphasis for this team uh, in the offseason because I think their season does end on Monday night uh, to say we can't just bank on DeAndre Hopkins being healthy this year and we're we're fine. I think they need to kind of retool this thing a little bit and they've been they've learned the hard way over these last few weeks that the offense isn't good enough. They just don't have enough playmakers. I mean, Cardinals. we saw the Rams go through issues when they lost Robert Woods. And had they lost Cooper Cup instead, I mean, they'd have, they would be a completely different offense. And, you know, the Rams are the better team in this, I, I think, from head to toe. And you've got these guys. They're very star-heavy. I mean, someone like Aaron Donald, would it shock you if he's got, like, two-plus sacks in this game and is absolutely turning Arizona into a mess? That said, I mean, Matthew Stafford, I know it's like we're almost allergic to talking about the Matthew Stafford turnovers, but... There are games where Matthew Stafford's mistakes have put the Rams into a terrible position, and and I just I don't trust them to it's be like every game either. the last four weeks. Exactly. Uh, right. Well, yeah, I don't think we're allergic to it, but he also threw forty-one touchdowns this year. So it's I, I like don't mean, uh, I don't mean us. We yeah. just, just said the I point. I feel like Stafford yeah. Escapes, yeah. escapes critique to some degree for the fact that there have been two or three games I can think of where like he buried them in a hole. You know what's right. funny? I thought like. Um, because I think that Robert Woods injury is continuing to rear its ugly head here. Odell gave him nothing in that game last week. That was a big spot. And I just think that's the Odell experience at this point. He's not a big time player. I think that the fact that they still don't really have that compliment to Cooper cup um, in the wide receiving game is something that's eventually going to get them. But the reason I like the Rams, I just think this is a really good pull for them matchup wise. Uh, their confidence is a little bit shaken coming out off Sunday, maybe. And now you get this team, Arizona, that clearly you would think is doubting itself, uh, even if they've been better on the road. I, I like the Rams in like a 27 to you know 20 type game, uh, maybe 27-17. That's where I'm at on this. I'm similar. I'm going to lock them up. Mark uh, inspired me. 
not to take the Chiefs. You know, when he went, he went for an underdog. He went bold. I was like, uh, that, that would be shameful. And I do think the Rams will win. This is a game you need OBJ and and Van Jefferson to step up. Van Jefferson did get eight hundred yards, but he's kind of in that you know deep trick. Deep, okay. uh guy, you know, that's the one thing he does. OBJ's been a disappointment. He, he hasn't uh, totaled 100 yards combined in the last four weeks. There's been a lot of miscommunications. And this is a, a spot that the Cardinals cornerbacks right now have been injured. And I think that was a huge part of that Seattle game was they have guys off their practice squad trying to cover Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Well, it could be the same this week with OBJ. That, that should be a matchup that you could take advantage of. All right, there you go. That is Super Wild Card Weekend Preview. Um, we'll be back on Sunday night where we're going to recap, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of the six games. And then we'll be back Monday night, and we'll do immediately following Cardinals-Rams. We'll do a recap of that as long, along with any other updates with the coaching carousel. So keep an eye out for that and keep an eye out on NFL network, the return of the around the NFL broadcast on Saturday morning. It airs on NFL network and uh, it actually uh, airs back to back. It re airs. So if you miss it the first time, if you're not up bright and bright eyed and bushy tailed at 4am here in California, you could still catch the 5am. Uh, well, or a, go, anyone who really, is a true fan of the show would just watch it two times in a row. That's another option. Or set the DVR. Yeah, DVR and sleep in, I think, is fine. But what, you know, East Not Coast, preferable. No, the Schrager family is all gathering around around the hearth and they're watching. Oh, they're they're all around that hearth. Uh, little Schrager, little man Schrager is a big fan of the broadcast. So check that out. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening, as always. All right. Uh, until Saturday on the TV side. Sunday night on the pod side. Enjoy the football. Enjoy West of us. Heed the call.